Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So Sam said, we're continuing our series deeper this morning. So we've already looked at live, love, look, listen. And today we're going to look at learn. If you were to receive an invitation for something, what do you do with it? So say it was an invitation to a wedding. Well, I've got it through the post. Uh, do you just discard it? Do you respond to it straight away? Do you put it to one side thinking, I must respond to that later and then forget about it? <laughs> As I'm good at. <laughs> Except for emails, it would seem. Um, but what happens if you don't reply? The person who sent you the invitation will prompt you and remind you that they need a, re- a reply. And why do they need a reply? It's because your decision carries consequences with it. So, for example, if it was a wedding invitation, if you reply yes to going to the wedding, that affects the, a person who has given you the invitation because they've got to provide for you for the day. But also it affects you, doesn't it? Because you know, on this day, I'm going here to this place. Uh, I'm going to be celebrating with people. You'll get the chance to be celebrating with others. It's a blessing to be there, isn't it? Celebrate the people getting married. Uh, it's also a blessing to have the food and the, the drink. Uh, it provides sustenance. Yet, if you decline the invitation, you miss out on all of that, don't you? So we can accept the invitation and we actually get blessed in that. But actually, if you decline the invitation, particularly if it's not for a good reason, you actually end up missing out. Today, there is an invitation here to everyone. It's possible to decline this invitation and miss out on the blessing that is being offered. But before we consider the invitation, I think it's important to know who it's from and what it's for. So if you can open your Bibles, can you turn to Matthew 11, verse 25 to 30? It should also be on the screen. Nearly every time I've gone to look this up, I've turned to the book of John for some reason. So if I start turning to the book of John, don't, uh, don't worry. Okay, so this passage, the context of this passage is set where John's, the Baptist disciples, has just come to Jesus, just been asking him, are you really the Messiah? Uh, and Jesus affirms to them, look at the evidence around you. People are being healed. People who can't see are receiving sight. People are receiving rest and peace. But then Jesus also goes on to say woe to a number of cities where, in fact, these were the ones where he did most of his miracles. And he pronounces woe to them because they didn't respond to his invitation. They didn't believe in him, but actually they shunned him. So we're going to pick up in verse 25. It says, At that time, Jesus declares, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth. But you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. (laughs) 
So here, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that he is God's son. That he comes with the full authority and power of the Father and that through him, God the Father is revealed. This revelation of Father God is hidden from the wise and understanding. You cannot find God by going your own personal route, trying to look for him and search for him everywhere. Gandhi spent his whole life looking for God, and yet on his deathbed was asked, have you found him? And he said, no, I'm still looking. It's not something we can find in our own wisdom, our own searching, but it's something that God has to reveal, that Jesus has to reveal. Jesus doesn't say, go find God yourself. He says, come to me as little children. Come in simple faith. Come believing that I am the Son of God who has come to save you and I will reveal the Father to you. So the invitation is from Jesus, the Son of God. So this isn't just any invitation. So who is this invitation to and what is it? Well, going back to verse 20, it says, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the invitation is to come to him, to Jesus, the one who can reveal God the Father to you. And he says, come to him all who are troubled, wearied, tired and burdened. Come to him and he will give you rest. So that invitation is open to all of us. But what does it mean? What is this rest that Jesus is inviting us to? It is an inactivity. Very often when I get home from work and if I want to rest, particularly once the kids are in bed, if I want to rest, for me, it can be about stopping. It can be about putting my feet up. It can be about finding something easy to watch on TV or something like that. But it's, for me, when I think rest, it's thinking about stopping. It's thinking about inactivity. But actually, that's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying is that it's a stopping of turmoil, a cessation of turmoil in your life. Jesus refreshes us, bringing peace and fulfilment to us. He brings things into the right perspective so that we see things truly as they are. He gives us renewed vigour and strength to do things in the right way. We were made to be in relationship with him, for him to be at the very centre of our lives. There is a peace and rest and strength that come as we humbly come to Jesus, making him the centre of our lives. So Jesus is inviting everyone who is troubled, who is weary, who is tired, who is burdened to come to him. But you have to come in faith, believing that he is the Son of God, that he has paid the price for your sins, and he will give you rest, peace, strength and fulfilment. But what Jesus says doesn't just stop there. He asks us to take up his yoke, learn from him. I'm just going to reread verses 28 to 30. It says, Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does Jesus mean when he says, take up my yoke? What is this yoke Jesus is talking about? Well, a yoke is made of wood. It is quite a big collar, um, is one way of describing it, or a bar designed to enable two oxes or oxen to be joined together, in essence, that their strength of two oxen may be harnessed so that something that would be difficult for one to do on its own, two can do together. So they can shift, move, pull heavy loads together. This was really common practice in Jesus' day and the people Jesus was talking to here would have been aware of this. Uh, there's a book by Mike Breen called Building a Discipleship Culture uh, and he goes further on this and I think it's really useful so I'm just going to read what he says. He says, what these farmers did was partner a young, very energetic ox with a much older, seasoned ox that had ploughed the fields for many seasons. The farmers found that the younger ox would push quite hard at the beginning of the day, using up all his energy, and we have nothing left for the second half of the day. Remember, we're talking about 11 to 12 hour workdays. However, when bridled with an older, more experienced ox, the younger ox would be forced to learn the rhythm and pace of the day. He couldn't run ahead because he was bridled to the older ox. And so eventually, the young ox learned the best rhythm from the older ox, so he could last the whole day and was able to keep an even, sustained pace. So what he's saying there is, though young oxes might, might have even been stronger, might have had more energy, might have been fitter, on their own, they would just go for it. They would give their all, but they would get tired, and they wouldn't be able to sustain the course. But yet, when, it was, when the younger ox was bridled together with an older ox, an experienced ox, the younger ox would actually learn from the older ox. The younger ox would learn to the point where it understood what pace to go at, that it could survive the course of a day working. And then that younger ox could in, in turn be harnessed with another ox and teach that ox. But together in all of this, let's also not forget that as they're bridled together, they can do so much more than they could alone. So in essence, Jesus is saying, be yoked with me. Let me set the rhythm and pace of the day of your life. Learn from me. My yoke is the perfect yoke for you. You were made for this. Be connected with me. He's not saying, put your feet up. Relax, just rest like that. What he's saying is, there's still work to be done. There's still things we've got to get on with, but we've got to do it in the right way. And as you do it with me, your souls will find rest, peace and fulfilment. The truth is, there are different things we can be yoked to. We can be yoked to sin, trying to find our own path in life putting ourselves first, maybe at the very centre of who we are and what we're doing. Maybe we put others first and put all our hope in maybe our partner or our wife. It's still a partner, potentially. Uh, <laughs> I meant to say children. Or your job. But actually, anything where God is not the centre 
we're actually living not the way we should be living. We can be yoked to the law. We can try and find peace and rest for our souls by following the law of God. Almost like what was being said this morning about the priests had to go through all these different steps to be able to come before the presence of God. Maybe you're a Christian, maybe you believe in God, but yet you still fall back to, I can't just come before God in prayer today because I've had a bad week. I've not really read the Bible. I've not really prayed. I've not really worshipped. And you start to build up all this, this list of legalistic things where you put in a law upon yourself saying, because I haven't done these things, I can't come before God. But the truth is, because of the grace of God, because of what Jesus has done for us, from what you were like yesterday to today to tomorrow, you have free access before God. Hopefully in 10 years' time, we will all look that bit more like God. But that doesn't mean you have better access to him then as you do now. Jesus has paid the price that we may come before his throne of grace and receive mercy and grace in our time of need. So, we can yoke ourselves to the law, and the law is good. This is, what the, this is what was happening in Judaism at the time, actually. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were, were piling up the law on people, adding to the law, trying to make it more culturally relevant. But it was just being a burden to people, squashing them. And the truth is, we can never fulfill the law on our own. Things like, do not bear false witness, do not steal, do not murder. I know a lot of those are quite extreme ones, but actually, the law is very, 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 very long, very, very, very detailed, and none of us on our own strength can fulfill every one of those things. We all fall short of the standards that God has for us. And the law doesn't bring life. So if you yoke yourself to the law of being like, I mean, I used to think, if I could have got a really clear list ignorant to the law, but like, if you just told me these ten things that I did every day, I could follow these and I could live the perfect Christian life. But once again, that's me saying, I'm going to attain these, if I can attain these things, I can live the perfect Christian life. That's not what God is saying. God is saying, look to me, learn from me, yoke yourself to me, I will show you how to do this. Yet Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. Michael Green, one of the commentators I was looking at as I was preparing this message, says, Jesus' yoke is gentle, but not in the sense that it is less demanding than the law. In some ways, it's more demanding. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. Like, it, the things Jesus tells us to do go beyond the law, don't they? It's like, turn the other cheek. If someone... Ask you to go one mile with him, go two miles with him. But it's a law, it's a yoke of love that Jesus has for us, not of duty. It is the response of the liberated, not the duty of the obligated. And that makes all the difference. So unlike the, the, the law or, or sin, yoking ourselves to Jesus... It's actually a freeing thing. 
That's why Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because he provides the means and the way by which we can bear his yoke. So it's humbling that God's invitation to come and find rest, the rest for our souls, is to sinners. The perfect God has made a way by not coming to judge us, but to save us. To die on the cross for our sins, that by grace, through faith, we may be saved. We may be yoked to him. Our guilt, shame and sin are put upon Jesus on the cross. And his perfect life is put upon us. And it doesn't stop there. But he invites us to not only take up his yoke, but specifically he talks about learning from him. So we've already seen that by taking up the yoke, there is this element of learning. But he also specifically goes on to mention learning. He says, take up my yoke and learn from me. So let's focus in specifically for a minute on what it means to learn from Jesus. Leon Morris says, the word learn here that Jesus uses is connected with the word disciple. And it means learn from me. Jesus is saying we are to commit ourselves to an ongoing process of learning from him. This ties in with the image of the yoked oxen. Of the younger ox learning from the older. Jesus is saying going through life, yoked with me, follow me and learn from me. Jesus is calling us to discipleship. It's quite easy to overcomplicate the term disciple. But actually, if you look at it biblically, disciple and Christian are exactly the same thing. You can't separate them. Quite, quite often we, we can be like, oh, how, how, how do I... I think we end up making disciple more complicated than it is. But Jesus says, anyone that puts their faith in me as Lord and Saviour, and then submits their life to me, and enters this process of learning from me, you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And so if you're not on this process at all, then you're not a Christian, and you're not a disciple. So the normal Christian life is being a disciple. This means we come to Jesus, believe in him, and learn from him. And then also teach others. If we think back to the Great Commission, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All that we learn from Jesus, we are to pass on to others. So the question is, how do we learn from Jesus? I think there's, there's one primary way, really. And that's revealed in John 8, 31 to 32. And I think it's going to come up on the screen. Don't worry about turning there yourselves. But it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in, me, in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is saying that by believing in him, Abiding, dwelling, making our home in his words, that is, making our home in the scriptures, 
there's not only a freedom that comes, but by abiding in his words, we are truly his disciples. So if God is calling us to, to learn from him, and that learn is associated with discipleship, then Jesus says here, you are truly my disciple if you abide in my words. To me, it seems to make a connection that that's where we primarily learn from Jesus is by abiding in his words. And there's various ways we can do that. We could read through, we can just read through the Bible. Some people read through the Bible in a year, don't they? You could pick a book and just work your way through it bit by bit. We might actually focus in on a specific topic, uh, like grace, and look at actually what does the Bible teach about grace or teach about the law. Or we might start memorising Bible verses. But there is something about the way we engage with it, isn't there? It's an abiding. It's making your home there, making your dwelling there. And I think this really ties in with what Sam was saying last week and then what he prayed again this morning. Let's not forget that the foolish hear and then forget. So, so we can come to the Word, we can spend time in the Word, we can meditate on the Word, and then we can go away and forget. Forget what it was that we read. But the wise man hears and obeys. It said, didn't it, last week, that we are blessed in our doing. So we want to be those who abide in Scripture and in those who act upon it as well. So an example would be here from this passage, the invitation Jesus gives us. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So it's a promise, isn't it? You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Neil and Nigel, if you want to make your way up to the front, please. And so I just... I don't want this to be a forced thing. But I just want to give opportunity now to people to respond to that. This is an open invitation to everyone. You may be feeling tired. You may feel weary. You may feel burdened. You might be thinking, actually, I'm yoked to the wrong thing. I'm not, I'm not yoked to Jesus at the moment. I'm, I'm yoked to sin or I'm, I'm trying to, to earn, earn my place before Christ. So I'm actually yoking myself to the law. Maybe you don't know God at all and it's just hit you for the first time that I've been looking in all the wrong places. That actually I need to come to Jesus and Jesus will reveal the Father to me. The invitation is to all to come to him afresh this morning. So in a minute, uh, Nigel and Neil are going to start singing a song and feel free to, to just join in with the song uh, and worship God. Or if this, this has struck a chord with you this morning and you know that you need refreshment, there's just going to be an opportunity for you to, where you are, just to come before Jesus. There's no, no special magic trick. It's just a simple invitation to come to, to him. 
Believe who he says he is. And tell him what you need. Ask him what you need. If it's tired, if it's because you're burdened, is it because you're worrying about things? Is it because you don't even know him and you want to? So I'm just going to ask Neil and Nigel if you want to start leading us in the song. And just where you are, take this time to, to respond to Jesus.